Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And this is Newsflash. <laughs> is that The Wire coming through? Yeah. Oh, I'm watching The Wire, by the way. Oh, yeah? The TV show. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it you that recommended that to me? I don't think so. I've only seen like one episode of it. Oh, which is the show that you said started it all? The Shield. Oh. No, no, Oz. I'm sorry. I like The Shield. Okay. So it was like uh, The Shield would be like, you like The Stones or The Beatles? You like The Wire or The Shield? Way before this was Oz. I thought The Wire was before Oz. Oz was before The Wire. Oh, yeah. By like a decade. I'm digging The Wire. Yeah, I, I I've heard nothing but good things. The one I the, I think it was like Deadwood. I oh, saw man. an episode of it. I was like, I don't have room in my life for this right now. Deadwood is so great. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah, I was just like, I, I can't commit to this. The wires a, a slow burn. It's like um, that was before they were trying to like blow you out of the water every week with some like amazing final scenes. It was, right. It's it's almost documentary esque. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I guess I kind of picked up on that. Although the the episode I saw was exciting. Well, now i got to watch Oz, too. Yeah, you do. I was all pissed off. I thought I was going to impress you, and you'd be like, your homework is done. Yeah, no. no, no. You have a lot to do, Chuck. All right. With Oz. I think there's at least like three or four seasons. Well, that's an odd start to this episode. It is, because in this episode... Oh, Jerry's here, by the way. Uh, in this episode, <laughs> um, we're talking about... Your body. Yes. Which I guess the human body was on display to some degree and in different ways in Oz. (laughs) But that's not what we're talking about really in this. We're talking about how, like you sitting there, you probably feel pretty good right now. You may be showered. You just got a haircut recently. Uh, No shower. Yes, haircut. Your hair smells like pencil shavings. Yeah. Uh, And uh, let's see, what else? Did you know that like a haircut to Yumi smells like recently... um, Sharpened pencil. I did not know that. Isn't that weird? Every haircut? Yeah. Weird. Like a haircut. Does like cutting the grass smell like <laughs> butter pecan like, ice cream? Smells like almonds. <laughs> and then she has a seizure. Interesting. <laughs> well, I hope she's okay. Yeah, she's fine. All right. She yeah, she just smells pencil shavings with haircuts. But um you're you're feeling pretty good back to my little yes. intro. Um and by you I'm talking to everybody out there. But what you don't realize is this. You're disgusting. Your disgusting bag <laughs> of nastiness, basically. Wow. If you really want to get down on a granular, cellular, uh, even just uh, internal level. Yeah. You're, you're gross. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm gross, too. Okay. I'm not sitting in judgment. Like, I, I have all of these things as well, most likely. I was about to say, so are you. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I, it's not like I lack perspective. I just... Yeah. It's, it's when you say you, it's like... Uh, a Jay McNearney novel, you know, it's like puts you in like the first person yeah. of the action. So all of a sudden you're the one who has a Coke problem and it's like four in the morning on a Tuesday in Manhattan and you have to go to work <laughs> in two hours. You know, it has more impact when you're saying that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to nod and act like I know what that reference was. It's a Bright Lights, Big City reference. Oh, okay. surely you've read that. I never read that. Well, you haven't read that. No, is it awesome? Yeah, it was good. Okay. It was good. It was in that, um. I saw the movie. The whole, yeah. It, it's in that whole Brett Easton Ellis vein. Sure. Like, uh, yeah, partying too much. Less uh, than zero kind of thing. Yeah, I read, um, well, I read American Psycho and Less than Zero. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is one of his contemporaries who's still around. Jay Mc- McNearney or Jay McKearney? <laughs> Something like that. They both like their drugs and loud music and yeah. dancing. And Michael J. Fox is in the movie. Uh-huh. Bright Lights, Big City. Anyway, yeah. it's a good book, but it's all in like that first person. Or is that second person? Yeah, second person familiar. <laughs> anyway, you're gross. <laughs> Let's get to why, Chuck. Okay. So we're going to talk about some of the gross things going on inside the body. And I think this article had 10. But since we've covered bacteria and poop so thoroughly. Plus, it's a longstanding stuff you should know tradition to yeah. never do all 10 of any 10 yeah. list. Agreed. Yeah. And and it's, we should also say it's arbitrary that all lists on how stuff works in 10. I think, it, yeah, it's a nice round number. Um, all right, so I guess we'll start with eyelash mites. Um, <laughs> Which I didn't know about until now, did you? No, I didn't either. Uh, mites are little arthropods. They're in the same family as ticks. Mm-hmm. And um, they, if you are generally an older person, are living on your eyelashes. Yeah, and not just your eyelashes. There's actually two types of what are called uh, dermodex mites. Yeah. Or demodex, I'm sorry. Demo is uh it's basically latin for lard yeah. and dex is a boring insect so it's a <laughs> fat boring insect a wow. demodex mite yeah uh and you have two kinds ones that live in your hair follicles and one that live in your pores basically from what i understand yeah dogs there's another kind for dogs too I think. well there's like tens of thousands of of types of demodex mites but there's only two that live on humans okay and they live on our faces yeah, and uh, like I said, more likely if you're older, uh, because as you age, you produce more oils uh, like sebum. Kids don't produce a lot of sebum, so you're probably not going to have a child with uh, eyelash mites. Right. And if you do, then social services is probably going to come after you. <laughs> right. Although they won't be able to tell because these things are very tiny. Like you, they apparently move around at night. There's a really good, um, yeah, very exhaustive article on demodex mites by science writer Ed Young. Are you familiar with him? Uh, the youngster? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, speaking of stirs. Yeah. You know, Ed, the grabster, Ed Grabanowski, who writes uh-huh. some of the best articles that have formed the basis for some of the best episodes of stuff you should know. He finally came out and claimed his birthright on Twitter. I saw that. He said, I am the grabster. I'm, I'm, I'm coming out and saying hi. And yeah. he did. And I had never seen his face before. I had once because he commented on some other. Oh, yeah. Or like a Dungeons and Dragons forum or something like that. I came across a comment and it was pretty much the same picture. Yeah, it's definitely kind of weird because, I mean, if anyone, the Grabster is almost like the fourth Stuff You Should Know uh, team member, you know. Yeah. Like we probably covered more of his articles than anyone else. I would guess so. So welcome, Ed. Anyway, yeah. So <laughs> Ed, the, Into Ed, the world. Ed Young had a good one on uh, Demodex Mites on uh, Discover Magazine's blog. Um it's basically everything you could ever want to know about them. And I think that's even the title of it, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, well, they, they like you said, they move around at night because they don't like light. Mm-hmm. Um, at a very slow pace, 8 to 16 millimeters per hour. And you can't see them. Like no. They're, they're microscopic. They're yeah. below the threshold of human sight. Yeah, and while it might sound gross for your grandparents to have mites in their eyelashes... Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there's really no trouble with them. They're not going to cause you any pain or suffering generally. Yeah. They, they think it's possible that one of the two varieties are responsible for rosacea. Yeah. Um, and. But, but who doesn't have that in if their you're, 60s? Right. If you're, um, particularly sensitive skin wise, 
you may find them irritable. But for the most part, you probably have, especially if you're over age 60, yeah. you probably do have Demodex mites living in your face and just don't even know it. And they're crawling across it at night while you sleep. <laughs> um, and I found another little interesting mite fact today that was just in the news. Um, there's a Southern California mite called the Paratarsotomus macropallus. Played by Brendan Fraser. <laughs> no, I think it's Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brendan Fraser, man. Remember he was in Encino, man. Yeah. That was uh, a good one with Polly Shore <laughs> and Sean Austin. <laughs> had like the early 90s triumvirate. Sean Austin was in that? Yeah, okay. I believe he was the, the straight man. Um, so this mite has just been recorded as the fastest land animal beating out the cheetah. Wow. This mite moves 322 body lengths per second. So obviously it's tiny, but that's super fast because the cheetah only moves 16 body lengths per yeah. second. Yeah. So it's the new fastest animal. <laughs> well, remember, I think it was the cockroach episode where we figured out, like, that's the true measure of speed when you're comparing different size things. Because yeah, remember, yeah. the cockroach could move, like, 50, I think, body lengths a second. Yeah, which is way faster than the 300 and what? 22. That is fast. Well, my hat has been taken off for this <laughs> mite. It's a Demodex mite? Uh, no, it's not. Oh, gotcha. No, if that was, that'd be a lot of eyelash to cover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well... Let's say we move on. All right. We'll go from the eyelash over a little bit to the ear. Yes. Where, you may or may not know, you have something called cerumen. Gross. Inside. Cerumen? I like it either way. I think any anything with the word S-E-R sounds sort of oily. It's C-E-R. Oh, is it? C-E-R-U-M-E-N. Huh. Yeah. Well, Which I'm, I'm I guess you could make it with a hard C, like Karuman. No, no, I don't think so. If you're a German, you could. But <laughs> so you're talking about earwax, though. In, yeah. In layman's terms, Cerumen. earwax. Right. Everyone's got it, and we don't like it. Americans spend about sixty million. North Americans, so I guess that includes our hat and our pants. <laughs> right. Uh, spend more than sixty million dollars a year uh, on ear cleaning products. Yeah. And what's crazy is a lot of those ear cleaning products, uh, including cotton swabs yeah. attached to sticks, yeah, <laughs> generic, generic. Um, those actually supposedly are detrimental to or counterproductive, yeah, to cleaning earwax out because your earwax is produced in the outer third of your ear. Uh-huh. When you use a cotton tip or anything, cotton swab, yeah, yeah. Or anything, even your finger, and you push it into your ear canal. Yeah, you're not removing earwax; you're pushing it further in, and it's not meant to be in there. And it doesn't go in there unless you jam it in there. Yeah. So when you're using some sort of swab or anything to um, clean out your earwax, you're you're doing the opposite. You're creating what can become a hardened buildup, and then you really have problems. Yeah, uh, like, like real the, problems. The ear is pretty much self-cleaning. Um, real blockage only occurs uh, and. About six percent of people, um, but you might know that you have a impactation if you have decreased hearing or dizziness or pain. Yeah. Or if it sounds like you have your fingers in your ears. Yeah. Or ringing or itching or drainage. That means you've either had it happen naturally and you're one of the six percent, or you've stuffed it in there with a cotton swab <laughs> and not done yourself any favors. Yeah. That and elbow grease mixed together, not good. Can we talk about ear candling too? Sure. 
you know the deal with ear candling, right? Mm-hmm. What what they claim is that you have this cone of paper. Uh, what is it like a waxy paper? Mm-hmm. You light it on fire, stick it in your ear, and it's supposed to create a vacuum, supposedly that sucks out this uh, wax. Right. That is not true. Right. It is a big, big falsehood <laughs> sold to you by the makers of ear candles, and they can actually be dangerous. And they do not create a vacuum, and they do not pull wax out of your ears. Right. So if you are an ear candler, uh, you're doing the wrong thing, because doctors say it's can be dangerous, mm-hmm. um, and it's actually illegal. They have them in the U.S., but it's illegal to sell them making any claims. Oh, I thought you were going to say they're just straight up illegal. <laughs> no, but you can't, like if you notice, ear kindling packages can't say anything about like has like increases your hearing or gotcha. is medically sound. Gotcha. Um, and if you've seen the candles rolled open and all that disgusting stuff, mm-hmm. that didn't come from your ear. That's That's a product of the burning of the paper. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So it's just a bunch of bunk. So apparently, if you do have, uh, what if you believe you have a hardened buildup of earwax yeah. in your ear canal, the first thing to try is just a couple of drops of mineral oil. Oh yeah, yeah, because basically all that earwax buildup is is it's dried ear wax. Uh-huh. Like you said, earwax is part of a self cleaning process. Yeah, I mean, anytime you chew or move your jaw, you're actually moving the earwax further and further out inside so your ear. Yeah, and then you can just kind of you know rub it out, or if you're a gross person, you just leave it and let it get caught up in your ear hair for some reason, but. If you have a buildup, you just just a little bit of mineral oil will kind of um, reconstitute it a little bit, and so it drains out. Yeah, Chris. I guess it'll work itself back out again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I use the cotton swabs occasionally, but um, I try to be responsible and like be aware of not jamming things down in there and try and just like swab along the outer sure outer thing outer I, ear. I do not use swabs, and my ears are perfect. Yeah, perfectly clean. Yeah, they are. Um, I do use the end of a football, though. <laughs> and that seems to work. Yeah. I have great memories about um, my mother uh, treating me with warm oil for earaches when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it's just a very comforting feeling. I remember that warm oil like filling up my ear and it closing. Yeah? Yeah. And it worked? Yeah, I think it helped the earache. And it was just, it's just one of those soothing like mom things from yeah. when I was a kid. I, I, I didn't have... I mean, I have had earaches before, but I didn't yeah. have them chronically. Yumi did, I guess, too. And yeah. That just seems so awful to have, like, chronic earaches. Yeah, I had bloody noses and uh, earaches. Huh. Weird. Did you fall down a lot? or No, and I haven't had a bloody nose in, like since I was a kid. But Yeah, yeah. I remember kids who had bloody noses, like, <laughs> oh, like chronically. Yeah. I wouldn't say mine was chronic. I wasn't, like... But do you remember, like, it just kid. seems like, you know, now when you look around, if there's somebody with Kleenex, like, sticking out of their nose, you're like, oh my god, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. But when you're a kid, it's like commonplace, like half of your class has Kleenex <laughs> yeah. sticking out of their nose at any time. <laughs> it's just, I, I wonder what that is. We'll have to do how bloody noses work. Yeah, or we could do a follow-up to this of why <clears throat> kids are so disgusting. Yeah, kids are especially gross, even though they lack dermodex, or demodex mites. Yeah, true. Um... All right, you ready for another one? Yeah, this one's so gross. Uh, lipoma, uh, or fatty deposits, <laughs> is something that you have in your body. Um, well, why don't you go ahead and explain about fatty cells, period. Oh, okay. And why these might want to leave that scene. 
Or actually, we don't even know what causes this still. No, I mean, like, you accumulate fat in your body through your metabolic processes, like different different macronutrients are converted in the liver, I think, to fats, right? Yes. So the fats are generally stored in, like, certain areas, like around your gut, like uh, in your lower back, uh, in your buttocks, <laughs> in your breasts. Yeah. Like, there's just places where fat normally goes. Right. That doesn't mean like that's where it has to go. And technically, fat buildup can happen anywhere. And when it happens in a place that just seems kind of weird, we've dubbed those lipomas or fatty deposits, which are technically a benign form of a soft tissue tumor. And yes. it's just a bunch of fat cells that have like come up on your face <laughs> or your neck or something where you're just like, man, this is not a good day. Yeah, your neck, shoulders, arms, upper back, upper thighs, and your butt are where you're most likely to get them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's between the skin and the muscle, and it's just like a little sort of soft, doughy lump that you can move around with your finger. Yeah, and, uh, like you touch and <laughs> squishes around, because most of the time it's not painful. And if it is painful, um, it's recommended that you go have a doctor check it out pretty quick. Yeah, um, it's probably not any cause of alarm if you have one. Um, Period. Like you said, if it starts to hurt, though, or if it ruptures and oozes anything, mm-hmm. then, yeah, that's when you should go to the doctor. The problem is, is they don't tend to really go away. <laughs> right. They don't. Once they once they arrive, they either won't grow much beyond that or they'll grow very slowly. But the problem is they don't reverse course and just pushing them isn't going to push them back down and spread them out. Right. So you generally have two options when you have a, a lipoma that you don't want. And that's liposuction, which may or may not be effective. Yeah. And then surgical removal, which is apparently like an inpatient local anesthetic procedure that you can just go and have it done. If you have a high pain threshold and a lot of gauze, you could technically do it yourself, (laughs) but you don't want to do that. And I let me just reiterate, you don't want to do that. That was a total joke. Do not remove your lipomas yourself. No. Although my... Um, I go to the dermatologist occasionally to get the little skin tags removed. Uh-huh. Is there any kind of local anesthetic for that? Yeah, they do uh, just a quick little uh, uh, injection, but I don't even think they need to. And my doctor, the point I was making was my GP said, you know, you can do that yourself. I said, really? Yeah, if you want, just get some super sharp, you know, pliers or scissors or something. Yeah. Not pliers, but, uh, you know, snippers. Right. Pliers. <laughs> and, um, get some bolt cutters. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, and I was kind of surprised to hear him say that. Yeah, just do it yourself? Yeah. Because doctors love money. I know. You know, they want your money. My, well, he's not my dermatologist. My dermatologist would probably be like, no, no. Was he like your plumber or something? No, my GP. Oh, yeah, they love money. They're doctors. <laughs> uh, how about mucus? Mucus sounds great. Uh, let's cover it right after this message. Okay, mucus. Uh, let's talk about it. Boogers and mucus and snot. Let's. Are, are you a snotty person? You're not very snotty. I'm not snotty because I'm not, uh, I don't have allergies. Yeah. And I think that's, people with allergies are definitely snottier. Oh, yeah, for sure. Emily, sadly, is very snotty. Yeah, well, snot is a, uh, snot production, mucus production is, a uh, is part of the immune response to things like irritants. Yeah. AKA buffalo wing sauce. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, people who drink milk, it can be uh, activated by that. Oh, yeah? Sometimes, yeah. Milk can make people kind of snotty. Huh. Um, but mucus production is not strictly the result of an infection or an invasion or an irritation. 
uh, it's a very natural, beautiful biological process that's ongoing every day. Yeah, I mean, we need mucus in our body. It uh, acts as a lubricant and a liner of things like your stomach. Um, and we'll get to stomach acid later, but if it wasn't for mucus, then you would be in big trouble in your stomach. Um, your body makes about a quarter to <laughs> was, a half a gallon. That was good foreshadowing, Chuck. <laughs> a quarter to a half a gallon of mucus a day. Say and, that again. Yeah, your body makes a quarter to a half gallon of mucus a day. I think you swallow like a liter of that or something. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. I remember reading that earlier, though. And we should say for our friends who are listening outside of the U.S. and Liberia, that's one to two liters a day of mucus that your body produces. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have to say, and I feel like a chump for not looking it up and not thinking about it until now, like, where does it go? Do you pee it out? No. I mean, if you're swallowing it, it doesn't go into your stomach. Okay, but then you you expel the stuff that's in your stomach one way or another. Oh, it's probably part of your poop. I'm sure it's part of it, but I mean, like, I mean, where does your mucus go? Yeah. Oh, man. I wish I would have thought of this before, because that's a great question. Well, and the age-old question, if you're sick, does it make you healthier or not as healthy to swallow your mucus? I don't know. Do you know? Yeah, I think I looked it up, and I think it's not supposed to make any difference. So um, I found that... You know how mucus turns green and it's a sure sign of an infection? Not necessarily true, right? No, it, it does mean that you probably do have an infection going on, or at the very least, your body thinks it does. Right. You do? Oh, okay. Um, it, but it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't indicate the presence of bacteria in your mucus. That's not what turns it green. There's a type of white blood cells that, um, have a greenish tint. Ah. And when it's fighting off an infection, when they accumulate in your mucus, they, turn it kind of greenish color, yellow-green. So it's actually a type of white blood cell huh. that's making your mucus green, but it probably means that you have some sort of infection there. Yeah, and if you're sick and you're hacking up that that yellowy, greeny, brown stuff, then mm-hmm. it's disheartening at least. It's yeah. disconcerting. That's the time to apply mind over matter and be like, nope, I'm not getting sick. I don't care if my mucus is yellow. Yeah, I'm well, not that's, getting sick. that's your whole thing. It works. Yeah. <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah. Um, so dried mucus is called a boogers, and uh, those are in your nose. And you going to tell them about the video? Oh yeah. If you want to see, <laughs> I almost posted it to the Facebook page, and I was just like, no. I, it, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a video on YouTube. Something about Doctor removes um, booger from hell. Yes. From man's nose. Yeah. And uh, it's about I'm not thirty rec- seconds of your life. I'm not recommending you watch it. That you'll never forget. I can say this. I was not prepared for how large what came out of that man's nose was. No. At all. No. I thought, well, I'm sure this will be interesting. I didn't know anything could get that large and either, one, stay in there or, B, be brought out. It's it's rough. It's really rough to like, watch. Like, it's a cathartic, nauseating experience to watch this thing. <laughs> it is. And I, I didn't listen to the video, so I don't know if it was, uh, was it a booger? Do you know? Did he say? Uh, I mean, yeah, okay. I, I believe so. Yeah, I didn't listen to it. But they just are like, he's like, wow, I, now you can see why I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but boogers are nothing but dried mucus. And um, they're actually, I tried to look up why children eat their boogers. Yeah. Mucophagy. Yeah, that's right. That's or, a great word. if you're really into it, rhinotelovomania. Oh, so it's a mania? Well, I guess it can be. And I think they found people with uh, obsessive compulsive people pick their nose more. 
which sort of makes sense. Oh. But the, why do kids eat their boogers? I couldn't come up with a definitive answer other than they think it's like our natural instinct because it may make you healthier and that eating your boogers could be like a injection of uh, of immunity for your immune system huh. because of the bacteria and stuff. I don't think little kids are smart enough to think this. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. They're not smart enough, but they just, it's their instinct gotcha. to do so. And it is all people's instinct. If you believe, if you believe some people to eat your own boogers. Uh, who says that? The people that say that's why kids do it is because it's our natural instinct as humans to do so because it helps keep us healthy. Yeah, I, hey, it's re- new research. I'm not like I'm not making this stuff up. I got to check that out. Yeah, and I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying. No, I know you're not. Like I'm, I'm a tissues are the way to get it out. Supposedly picking it uh, can like cause more problems because yeah. of uh, bacteria on your fingers. And doctor says I wouldn't get so many nosebleeds if I kept my finger <laughs> out of there. I'm a fan of the snot rocket though, which I'm trying to teach Emily to do, but she's not very good at it. Oh yeah, it's like, so gross, dude. Do you really like doing that? Not in like. If I have a choice, but oh. if I'm like out for a run in the winter time, Ugh. I don't let snot just run all over my face. I blow it out real quick. I I would just rather wipe it on my shirt. Um, that's not gross. Uh, no, it's <laughs> gross, but at least it's like gross. No, that's gr- man. You just turned my stomach. It's not <laughs> rocket. Um, I'm gonna bring back the hanky. Are you? Yeah, that seems so uncivilized. It was so gross to me as a child. I remember yeah. seeing the old men in church that would. Just blow just copious amounts of snot into that thing, fold it up, and put it back in their pocket. And you're like, you're not going to eat that? <laughs> Don't you know it helps your immune system? And then my nose would bleed, and I'd just walk off. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> All right, so that's enough on boogers and mucus, huh? Yeah. Again, my stomach is not okay right now. All right, so we should talk about gas. <laughs> right. Uh, because, and I was fascinated with the, the notion that everyone farts as a child. I used to think about the least likely person in the world to fart and just laugh and laugh. Oh, like who'd you come up with? Oh, like was Gandhi like, or something? Yeah. Gandhi or the queen of England, stuff like that. But now it's more like Kate Blanchett or people that I consider mm-hmm. to be like refined. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone farts and everyone burps. Yes. It's a part of, uh, health. Right. You know, and supposedly if you, um, Hold your try to hold your flatulence, and there's an urban legend that it's very bad for you. Is that true? No, it, it just it, makes it better later. <laughs> right. Well, the gas comes out one way or another. Yeah. Um, and your belch and your flatulence are not the same thing. It's no. not like the same piece of gas or volume of gas coming out one way or the other. Piece of gas. A piece of yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not coming from the same pocket. No, there's um. A belch comes from your stomach, and flatulence comes from your intestines. But they do come from the same thing, and that's um, incompletely broken down food. Right. So, like, if your food is totally broken down, I guess technically you wouldn't produce any gas, but our bodies, our our digestive systems aren't 100% efficient, so as a byproduct of this breakdown, um, the gas is produced by these bacteria that break down our food for us. Right. And I guess there's some chunks that they have a problem with, and it's like, forget it. <laughs> I'm just going to create some gas. I'm done here with this London broil. <laughs> right. And so it comes out one way or another. Yeah, at the rate of uh, between 14 and 23 times a day um, for both burping and farting together, which um, 
might seem like a lot, but over the course of 24 hours, because it does happen while you sleep, I think uh, we've all experienced that. <laughs> Not me. You sure? <laughs> think no, you're the wrong I'm, person I'm sure to ask. That I, I'm sure that I have. Um, I know that I have. And of course, uh, I'm not shaming you. You're like everyone else. You're like the Queen of England. <laughs> or Kate Blanchett. I'm like those two mixed together. Uh, so you're Judy Dench. <laughs> yeah. She farts. Do you see Philomena? No, not yet. My God, that is a good movie. Yeah, that's on the list. That is a good movie. I think that one and 12 Years a Slave are the only two like big... Uh... You haven't seen 12 Years a Slave either? No, not yet. Man, alive. Well, you I'm... need to see that, that... Oz, <laughs> you basically you have to go home after this. Well, I'm trying to. You have to get up for a movie like Twelve Years a Slave. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's not like uh, any time mood movie. No, and you just kind of have to like walk into it, like walking into a thresher or something like that. Yeah, and when I say get up for it, I don't mean get psyched. I mean like <laughs> get in the right frame. Tailgate of mind. first. <laughs> yeah, not, not no, so. No, it is a very brutal experience watching that movie. Yeah, and I tend to avoid those when I can, but. You should see it. No, I'm totally I mean, it's still it. just like an amazing movie. Yeah. Yeah. So what is actually in Burps and Farts uh, besides <laughs> oxygen? Uh, yeah, there would be oxygen. Um, there's uh, methane, mm-hmm. CO2, nitrogen, hydrogen. Sulfur and farts only. Yes. And all of this is, uh, well, like I said, part of it is from a breakdown of food. I think I might have said all of it. It's not entirely true. Yeah. A lot of your gas buildup in your body, uh, it can be simply from swallowed air. Oh, sure. Um, it can be from a change in pressure. Yeah. Like, um, how you tend, not me, but everybody else tends to shoot ducks on airplanes more. Oh, really? Uh huh. Interesting. As a result of the, just the change in pressure, even in a pressurized cabin, it's not dead on with whatever atmosphere you're used to where you live. Yeah. So you can um, get a little gassy on the plane. But Which is the worst place to ever be gassy. It is. Luckily, though, with airplane flatulence, a lot of times it, it doesn't have any attendant smell to it because it's not true methane or sulfur-based. It's just air. Yes. Okay. It's just that you're, you're, the amount of, of gas volume that your body can hold right mm-hmm. then has decreased. So you're having to evacuate some of the air. And you're like, hey, it didn't smell. Yeah. <laughs> or no, you're just kind of looking around furtively. Right. And looking to see if anybody's like, oh, and like turns <laughs> to the side away from you in their seat. And if they don't, then you're fine. Yeah. I wouldn't risk it. It also helps to ask for a blanket first. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you can make yourself burp too. I guess that makes sense about the swallowing air. Right. Yeah. Like that's a big discovery as a young boy when, when you can master that technique. Right. Um, and because there's methane in uh, your farts, they are flammable. And I would not recommend you do this, but, uh, <laughs> think if you're a college age boy, you've probably tried to, his dad your farts. is not a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it c- can be great fun and, but it's also dangerous. Have you done that, Chuck? Well, sure. Not in the past like 20 years, but yeah. And I think, some of the times it's just to prove to other people that, like, no, that's an urban legend. It's a scientific fact. Yeah. Watch. Exactly. Well, it is. Yeah, I'm sure YouTube is loaded with videos of that. Yeah, you see, you don't even have to do it yourself. Right. If you're interested, you can look it up. Um, and I, I, I recommend that we move on to the next thing. But first, Chuck, before we get into it, how about a message break, huh? Yes. 
All right. So um, we have a few more here. Um, Vomiting? Yeah. The word vomit has always been in my top five, like, most hated words. Oh, yeah. I mean, it seems to really kind of capture what yeah. the process, the feeling, the, the end product. Yeah. Vomit. Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. It is. But, I mean, it's a it's a natural fact of life. It's in you now. Potentially, uh, whatever your stomach contents are could turn into vomit. So it's not. Is it only vomit like, when it's expelled? Is I it? believe so. Okay, yeah. good. Because you're expelling like bile, gastric juices, saliva, food, you know, liquids, whatever. Yeah. Um, and all of those things were once just a happy part of your stomach contents, and now they're not. So therefore, they have, by definition, become vomit. Right, and um, your stomach, the average stomach holds about three quarters of a gallon of whatever you've ingested, food and beverage. Right. Um, and it is possible, it's super rare, but if you've ever said, you know, I feel like I'm going to burst, you can eat and drink so much that your stomach will rupture, but it's um, it's really rare because what happens is your body's gag reflex takes over mm-hmm. and you vomit if you get too full. Um like if you've watched the eating, we did a show on eating competitions. Yeah, we did. Like 80 years ago. Yeah, it was a good one though. Uh, and it, you know, sometimes those guys just spontaneously, uh, puke. Yeah, they're, um, remember they're called gurgitators. Yeah. Which is the opposite of regurgitating, but. Oh, right. If they regurgitate, they have to swallow it back down or else that doesn't Ugh. get counted. God. If I remember correctly. So gross. Um, but luckily you have that gag reflex, but um, there have been a couple of documented cases. Uh, there was one in Japan in 2003 where a man was found dead in a public restroom, and they found that his stomach had ruptured in two places. Plus that movie Seven. Oh yeah, yeah. it is true. He was force fed mm-hmm. to until the point his where stomach he ruptured. Now, if you don't vomit, there is another like Plan C that your body has, where you, the lining of your stomach starts to just kind of leak. Yeah. Contents out into the rest of your body, which is really bad. Yeah. But it's not at least a full on rupture. Um, what you are designed to do, if you believe in intelligent design, I guess, or what you're, what you will do. Yeah. <laughs> but I just walked into a minefield right then, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, is to, to vomit up your stomach contents. Uh huh. As a result of your, uh, chemoreceptor trigger zone being stimulated. And there's a, a bunch of ways that, that that can be stimulated. Yeah. Um, this little part of your brain, it's also called the area postrema. So that's what triggers the vomiting mechanism? That's the vomiting center of your brain. Yeah. And it is... Uh, its function? Yes. Its function is... It receives uh, signals from different... From your vagus nerve, which is uh, attached to your gag reflex. Yeah. From your um, nervous system. So when you're, when you're in chemotherapy... This thing kind of triggers your um, vomit reflex right. from your stomach, your gut. Yeah. Um, there's like four or five different places in your body. Your inner ear is one right. that can send um, chemical messages to your chemoreceptor trigger zone to say, hey, we need to vomit here um, because this guy's either going to like this guy just ate poop. And as we know, you're not supposed to do that, so we need to get it out of him. There's something wrong with this guy. Yeah. Uh, so let's just go around him and get that poop out by making him vomit. <laughs> so what happens is the CTZ, the chemoreceptor trigger zone, uh-huh. is stimulated 
one way or another. Right. So you start to salivate a little more. Your breathing oh, increases. Oh, yeah, that salivation. That's yeah. a dead giveaway. Yeah. You start to get real queasy. Yep. You're like, pull the car over. <laughs> yep. You start heaving or retching, right? Uh-huh. That's going to take place before you actually vomit. It's almost like your diaphragm's like getting ready. Like, yeah, hip, yeah. Boo, hip, right. You know? Like Jack LaLanne or something. Right. Well, sort of a violent action, you know? Yes. Uh, the pyloric sphincter, which guards the lower end of the stomach, uh-huh. um, it, it becomes relaxed and the pressure in the abdomen rises. So the pressure in your chest or thorax is lowered. Okay. Which is basically what happens is the pressure below increases while the pressure above decreases. So it's like, whoop. Yeah. So what's, what was once below can come back up, right? And the sympathetic nervous system is activated, leading you to start sweating. Yeah. And all of a sudden you just vomit. It's like a contraction. Wow. It's not pleasant. No, it's not. And while the end result, like if you have a stomach flu or if you're just nauseous, um, will, uh, could cause some relief. I don't know many people that, um, you know, look forward to the experience. No. You know? No. That's like, that is not something you ever want to do. No matter, even if you know, like it's going to bring you relief, you still don't want to throw up. Yeah. You know, and you'll put it off and put it off because it's just the worst thing in the world. It is. But what what has always fascinated me is the idea that something, nausea, uh-huh. which is kind of like the body's warning, like, you want me to make you throw up? Right. Well, then stop looking at this. Stop eating poop, you know? <laughs> yeah. Stop thinking about eating poop. Yeah. Is that, like, our we have an emotion called disgust that is primed to trigger nausea and then possibly right. vomiting if it's bad enough or threatening enough. Yeah. So that like we have an instinct to not eat boogers or to not eat poop or to stay away from vomit or decaying meat or something. Right. We have this emotion that primes us to 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 stay away from things that will make us vomit. I just find that fascinating. It is. Or in movies, I should have added this to the movie tropes. Uh if you're just too emotionally distressed about something that mm-hmm. will trigger in movies. That'll make you vomit. Right. Yeah. You know, like if you see the wrong thing and all of a sudden you just have to run over and vomit behind a tree. <laughs> right. That's, right. Or that cop, the rookie yeah. cop vomits, you know, <laughs> Yeah. on the body. Yep. That's a movie trope. Yep. Yeah. That is a, that was a really good, um, list you came up with. 20, yeah. 26 overused movie tropes? I think so. I did a gallery on the Stuff You Should Know website, and it was fan source, like I asked people on Facebook. Oh, yeah. And, uh, man, people just went nuts for it because they're just so overused. Yeah. Um, you should check it out on Stuff You Should Maybe Know. Maybe I'll do a part two because there was a bunch of more, and yeah. I'll add the vomiting cop. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> you can't handle the murder scene. Um, all right. There, here's one we missed in our um, halitosis episode. And we heard from people that have tonsil stones um, or chronic tonsil stones. And another word for it is, uh, what is it, Ton- tonsillalis? So yeah. hard to pronounce. To- like sololiths. Tonsilloliths. Liths. Like it ends in L-I-T-H-S. Yeah. It's a terrible, terrible word. It is. But uh, we heard from people who suffer from this, um, and it can be a cause of halitosis. And those, uh, if you've ever, like, you know, if you don't have a chronic version, you might have just cough one up occasionally. <laughs> a little, like, white, whitish, yellow, chunky thing. 
that is one of the worst smells that you can ever imagine <laughs> in the world. Yeah, it's that's like a tonsil stone. All of this that that funky smell you get whenever you floss your teeth. Yeah, but combined into a ball. Yeah, it looks a bit like cauliflower, like super concentrated. Yeah, well, remember in the hyalotosis episode, we said that the back of your tongue is like this trap for dead cells. Yeah, the bacteria that eats those dead cells, and then whatever other gunk. Well, these tonsil pockets where the tonsil stones form mm-hmm. are like make your tongue look like a pristine wonderland. Yeah, like they just accept this these deposits that build up and up and up, and then yeah, those things stink. I wonder if the guy that was sitting next to me in the movie theater had those now that I think about it. Maybe. Because it's possible. Yeah, I feel sorry for people that suffer from it. Um, well, it's pretty fixable, supposedly. Yeah. You can do this at home. It's not like a, a lipoma. So how do you fix it at home? Well, you can do uh, tonsil irrigation. Okay. Basically, from what I understand, like a little squirt bottle. You yeah. know the ones with the 90-degree straws? Yes. That football players use? Yes. Like that. And you just squirt your tonsils, and it can clean them out. Um, I believe uh, brushing your tongue can help because it stops the or it helps prevent the accumulation. Yeah, uh, scraping your tongue too. Right. Uh, and then uh, what else was there, Chuck? I think non-alcohol based mouthwashes uh, can help. Yes. And um, or if if you have a chronic case of it, and um, you could get your tonsils removed. Right. Which I would elect to do if I had a chronic case of tonsil stones. Sure, because it's not just the the bad breath that comes along with it. Like you can get uh, earaches, yeah, uh, sore throats, inflamed tonsils. Like it's not it's not like your body's just like whatever tonsil yeah. stones. Who cares? You it it hurts it. Yeah, and this is another one. All these gross things for some reason, like childhood, is where you discover a lot of them. And I remember distinctly my brother, uh, the first time he. Uh, Cough one up and smashed it and made me smell it. Oh my god! Yeah, because I'd coughed them up before, but I'd never smashed it and smelled it. Oh man! He's like, you've seen these things. I'm like, yeah. He's like, smell this. Oh man! Yeah. Big, what what happened to you? Did uh, you vomit? No, I didn't. But uh, yeah, it, it made me realize, wow, that's what those are, and that's what they smell like. <laughs> that's really gross, man. This whole episode, I'm just kind of like, I'm over it. We've talked about some funky stuff before, too, but this is the first time where I've had, like, kind of an ongoing stomachache. Yeah. So I guess we'll finish it up with something not super gross. No. That's uh, stomach acid. Yeah, which is hydrochloric acid, which is uh, the same kind of hydrochloric acid that you can use to dissolve metal. Yeah. Got a gun you want to get the serial number off of? Hydrochloric (laughs) acid. That is in your stomach. And uh like I kind of spoiled earlier, um, because your stomach is coated with mucus on the inside, that is the reason that that hydrochloric acid isn't burning through your stomach. Yes, so that was a, some great foreshadowing. It was. Do you have anything else on that? Stomach acid? No. It's in there? Yeah, I mean, it's just there. It's a combination of hydrogen and chloride. When it combines, you get some HCl action. And there you have it. Yep. Some of the grossest things in your body as we speak. Yeah, I, I guess probably that's why it burns to throw up, because yeah. you have a, a, a tremendous amount of mucus lining your stomach to keep it from dissolving, But and you have some along your, your throat and airways and your esophagus, but not as much. So I'll bet that's why bile burns. Yeah, and I know if... Uh, your stomach bile. If you suffer from uh, bulimia, um, that acid can... Uh, you can end up having like bad teeth because of it, because... Mm. Just wearing them down? Yeah, wearing down the enamel uh, from the inside out. Mm. And 
And supposedly the stomach rupturing is uh, more common if you suffer from bulimia because you may have a bad gag reflex as a result. Oh, wow. So it may not like uh, react when it should if you're overeating. Gotcha. Yeah. Man, lots of stuff going on in the body, huh? I, I said it before and I'll say it again. You're gross. Yeah. Thank God we're wrapped in skin and hair. Yeah. Cause that's, that's lovely stuff all the time anyway. Yes, it is. Uh, if you want to learn more about 10 gross things in your body, we didn't cover two of them. So there's two more for you to check out at least. You can type, uh, gross body into the search bar at howstuffworks.com. Uh, and be sure to check out Chuck's movie tropes gallery too at stuffyoushouldknow.com. And since I just uh, plugged two sites in one, you know it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this uh, High Five from a Feminist. Nice. Hey, guys. My name is Wendy. I'm the editor for the feminist website Good Good Girl. I just wanted to drop you a line and say how much I enjoyed the podcast on burlesque. Uh, to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of neo-burlesque. Not for any feminist reason. It's just not my bag. But I was surprised how enthralled I was with its history. Uh, more than your background, the part of the podcast that really stood out was how well you two handled the two feminist perspectives that surround it. I thought you did a really banging job of presenting the argument, framing each side, but respectfully acknowledging that as men, it's probably not your place to make a definitive statement on it. Uh, feminism and gender are tricky subjects, but they're also so interesting and exciting to talk about because I'm always sad. Um, and I'm always sad when guys feel like they can't take part. I think a lot of dudes feel it's not their place to comment, but you just showed that anyone is welcome in a talk about women's rights. It just needs to be approached with a bit of tact. Huh. Uh, it's a great job. I love the show. It's one of the highlights of my week. Uh, my friends are always joking that I start every second sentence with talking about blank. Did you know? Uh, don't worry. I always make sure to name check you guys as my source. That is from uh, Wendy Seifert. And she is the editor of Good Good Girl, which you can find at goodgoodgirl.com. Nice. Uh, for all your feminist needs. Nice. I highly recommend it. Yes. Thanks for writing in, Wendy. We appreciate that. We appreciate the accolades. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you want to get in touch with us for any reason whatsoever, uh, you can tweet to us, right? At, yes. At SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Uh, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast.discovery.com. And, again, check us out at our website, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 